welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. So all of my experiences in what could be called a white Christmas were uh, from the years that Carol and I were living in uh, Albania and Kosovo as missionaries. And on the one hand, they were everything that I ever hoped they could be. Uh, the ground was beautiful and white. It was, it was cold. It was quiet. I found out, I found out that uh, chestnuts are in fact something that you do roast on an open fire. I, you know, never knew that before. And I found that there is this sanctity really that comes with a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow. On the other hand, of course, Christmases in Albania were nothing like I expected they would be. See, Albania and Kosovo, they were countries that had just at that time come out of a really a generation's worth of atheistic communist rule. And before that, they were the traditionally Muslim communities. And so while the cold and the snow and the dark all would remind me that it was winter, there was nothing to remind me that it was Christmas. All the sights and sounds and traditions that I normally would associate with celebrate, celebrating the, the birth of, of Jesus, they were just weren't there. The city sidewalks, though busy, were not dressed in holiday style. No street lights blinking, you know, bright red and green. No feeling of Christmas in the air and on the street corners. Not a silver bell in sight. We were far from our families. We were far from the worship traditions of Advent in, in our church. And I remember uh, I was walking home after uh, one of our Christmas uh, Christmases there, one Christmas Eve service, and we had in our little small church that we were planting, and Carolyn had gone home ahead to get dinner started with one of our teammates and it was my job to lock up that night and so I was walking home alone through the snow on Christmas Eve it was in the middle of one of the roving blackouts that you know would happen in our town every three hours and so everything around me was dark everybody was indoors all the windows were dark with just a few candles kind of flickering in the windows the only sound was the crunching of my feet on the snow and I've got to admit as romantic as all that as that all sounds I was a little on the depressed side I was a little bit on the lonely side I was a little bit on the <sighs> kind of not looking forward to three four more months of cold and snow and dark and then it hit me this must have been what it was like for the shepherds. I mean, not, not the snow, of course, because, see, there's no snow in the Middle East. But in the fact that the first Christmas Eve really was an ordinary night. Like, like really, I know we say that and we think about it, but then we kind of, yeah, but, you know, we know it's not. But for them, it really, like, think of an ordinary night 
Like, think of it. That's what it was like. Nobody was expecting anything to happen that night. There were no traditions that were being prepared for. Uh, like, there's no anticipation in the air. There's absolutely nothing. Shepherds were busy doing literally the least exciting part of what was already an exceedingly boring job. I mean, you think watching sheep is boring? Just imagine watching sheep at night. I mean, yeah, maybe the predators are awake and prowling, but the sheep sure aren't. There's nothing worse than keeping an eye open for something that you can't see and may never come. Expect the unexpected is a nice slogan, but it's really hard to do when nothing unexpected ever happens. Keeping watch becomes a really dull job. Makes it really hard to stay awake. It's kind of what happens to us, right? With this whole idea of the Christmas spirit as we get older. You know, all the stories and the myths in our culture that are surrounding this time of year, they keep us on our toes when we're kids, right? Because maybe there is a Santa Claus. And maybe I will get the one thing that I've always wanted. Maybe it will make me happy this year. Maybe I will bump into a kid, you know, trying to buy shoes for his mom and doesn't have enough money. And it will shake me out of my Christmas time funk. My life is not being this moment by moment adventure that I really hoped it would be. And maybe I will be able to change somebody's life for the price of a pair of Christmas shoes. But after a few Christmases of no Christmas miracles, breaking through our overcrowded lies, well, even the decorations, the Christmas songs, the Advent traditions, they become routine. They become empty noise. And it gets hard to stay on our toes. Now, we all know that something did happen that night to them. An angel of the Lord appeared. A messenger of the Lord appeared to them. And now, Luke tells us that the appearance of this messenger, that this, this angel, was terrifying to them. As actually all of the angel encounters of the Christmas story uh, were. Which makes sense, because, you know... God's on a mission to get people's attention, which he did quite effectively that night. But there's always a danger in the grand entrance, the overwhelming appearance. And that is that somewhere along the line, the message might get lost. Which I think happens to me a lot when it comes to this particular story. I, like, I get really hung up on the fact that the shepherds got to see an angel... A host of angels, in fact, and they're like, they're singing, and there's just this whole thing that's going on there. And I get caught up with how amazing and extraordinary that scene is, and I forget the comparative simplicity of the message. A rescuer has been born, and here's the sign. 
you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Basically, the message that these angels brought was that God had done something and they should go check it out. We've been in this series for a couple of months where we've been talking about how our homes can become outposts of kingdom mission in our neighborhoods because we all know that past the beautiful yards and the impressive archways and the insulated doors and the double-paned windows, that there is pain and darkness and brokenness that seems to be spreading with every passing day. And we're just all convinced that God wants to heal and fix and redeem and reconcile all of that stuff. And we actually want to be a part of what God is doing in bringing that about. And in fact, we actually know, we know that God is working all the time. Like Jesus reminds us in John five seventeen that God is always at work. He's always on mission. And of course, sometimes in the routine, as the days pass, as the busyness of our lives set in, we do forget, though. We forget to keep watch for what God is doing. Life can feel a little bit like we're sitting on a hill in the middle of the night watching sheep sleep. And what we need is a messenger to come and remind us that God, what God has done, what He is actively doing. Which again, I, I think we'd all sign up for like getting visited by an angel on Christmas Eve. I mean, that would be really cool. I mean, Manuel talks about we're doing something new this Christmas Eve. Like, imagine we're having an angel, Archangel Gabriel is our speaker. For Christmas Eve. That's kind of the new thing that we've decided. We've booked an angel, people. Let's see the other churches in town compete with that one. Ah. <laughs> but you see, not all encounters with angels that we hear about in the Bible were these spectacular, terrifying events. Actually, some of them were quite ordinary. So much so that those that encountered the angels weren't even sure that they were angels when they bumped into them. So, uh, but those encounters still carried these significant messages from God. Messages about what God was up to. So while the spectacle and the choir and the shining, amazing singer stuff were all very, very cool, the most important part of the evening was the message that they received. God is up to something. You should go check it out. So, angels deliver their message. Glory to God in the highest. See a baby in a manger, swaddling clothes. And then in an instant, they disappeared. And the moment they did, the shepherds... Well, the shepherds had to decide what to do about the message they had heard. I mean, yes, the angels had been super cool and the music was hopping. It was hip. But was it all a show or was it something real? Was God really up to something here? 
This was going to require action on their part. Based on the experience that they just had, based on their confidence in the message that they had heard. In other words, this whole event was going to require a step of faith for the shepherds. Which is the required response to every time we hear from God, by the way. Every time our hearts are stirred, our imagination is awakened, our feelings are moved, our mind is stimulated by a glimpse of what God is doing in our world. Every time. Required response is a step of faith. Now, we always have a choice, of course. There is always the option for us to dismiss it, this is probably not true, or, you know, to take it into consideration as a, you know, might be possibly true. But when we do that, the message of God is blocked in us. Our hearts actually become a little bit more hardened. It actually shrinks a size or two. We believe a little less. And worst of all, dismissing a message from God, well, it guarantees that we won't experience the reality of God and what He is doing. Of course, fortunately for the shepherds, they didn't do that. They took that step of faith. They went and verified the details of the angel's message and found that everything was as they had been told. And in that step of faith, they heard from God. Uh, what they heard from God went from, you know, just abstract trivia, like something they saw on Facebook or maybe heard on the news, to a firsthand verifiable experience that they now knew to be true. It's amazing how impactful our experiences can be. They have the power to change how we look at the world, how we see ourselves when we let something sink into our hearts, past our defenses, our cynicism, and really let them affect us. Well, we're just never quite the same after it. Uh, people talk of like the first time they see the Grand Canyon or the first time they, they hold their son or their daughter in their arms, the first time they visited another country, experienced another culture, even the first, their experience of losing a loved one, their experience of being cared for or loved by a friend, even the experience of a story that we saw on TV or a musical that we saw on the theater. I've been watching this, the documentary on the Beatles. And I mean, I can't stop talking about this crazy show that I'm experiencing. These experiences wedge themselves in our lives and they... They actually change us. And when you think about it, the most natural thing to do in the wake of one of these experiences is to talk about it. Verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. 
The shepherds responded to the message that God was up to something with a step of faith that then resulted in their own experience with God and what God was up to. And their immediate response, Luke tells us, was to spread the word. Their minds had just been blown. Of course, they're going to talk about it. Not because it was something they were supposed to do. Not even because it was they, they were naturally good communicators. No, they spread the word because they had had this experience that had affected them so deeply, they just couldn't see the world the same way anymore. And so they had to talk about it. And as they talked about it, Luke tells us about two different kind of people that heard their story. Uh, first, he mentions the general population, the proverbial all. Most of them were going through the grind of their own daily lives, just like the shepherds had been doing. To these folks, the shepherds were like the angels. Jumping into their mundane routine and confronting them with this message that God had just done something amazing. Now Luke tells us that these folks, their response was, well, to be amazed. Not terrified like the shepherds had been because, you know, when it comes to the shepherds, they weren't, well, they weren't as terrifying as the angels were because they're shepherds. The message, though, the message still gets through. And it was amazing. Now, of course, the general population was now left with the same choice that the shepherds had faced. They now had to decide whether or not to take a step of faith on their own. An act of will based on this new knowledge that they had received from the shepherds. And it's important to notice here that the message that the shepherds were sharing... It was an incomplete message. Like it wasn't an entire theological treatise on God's plan of redemption for humanity. For certain it had some elements of it. But mostly, mostly it was about the shepherd's own experience that they had had that night. And we don't know what these people did with the message that they heard from the shepherds, I, I, like, did everybody just go, ah, and then run and go visit Jesus all at the same time? I mean, maybe some did. Maybe some did nothing. And maybe for some of them, this message that they heard lay dormant in their mind until years later when they encountered Jesus in some other way. And then all of a sudden, the message that they heard from the shepherds comes back to them and now reinforces what they're hearing from Jesus at that point. Of course, when it comes to Mary, the one specific person that Luke mentions here, the message that she hears from the shepherds, it isn't coming out of the blue for her. No, no, it isn't invading a mundane, regular old evening for her. Mary already knows that this is no ordinary day. This is no ordinary child. Mary is already on an adventure with God of her own. 
She's already engaged with what God is doing. She's been taking steps of faith here, you know, like a lot. So for Mary, the shepherd's message wasn't shocking. It was confirming. It was another lamppost on a road that she'd been walking now for some time. So she took their message along with all the other things that she'd experienced that night. She treasured them up, pondered them in her heart. And I love the contrast here between the general population and Mary. Because it is such a great reminder that we're all at different points in our journey with God. It's true for us. It's true for our neighbors. And so a message about what God is doing in our world, in our lives, it's going to connect with different people in different ways. And it's not the shepherd's job to somehow get everyone to the same point. It's not the messenger's job to somehow manipulate or speed up people's journeys. It's not our job. It's just our job to share our experience. Share the things that our own steps of faith has taught us that have shown us to be just as we were told. You see, if you're around church for any length of time, this idea of telling other people about Jesus, it's going to come up like it has over the last few weeks here at church. Yeah, we've been talking about how to make our homes a mission outpost for the kingdom. But no matter what we do to our homes, eventually we got to go out to the city sidewalks and invite people in. Eventually we have to take initiative to engage people who are just going through their normal everyday lives. Eventually we have to become the messengers in other people's stories. And we all know that. And yet it's hard to stay alert, to stay on mission. Sometimes the idea of it all just becomes a chore, something we avoid or something that we engage with just so that we can get that voice in our head that tells us we should do it to stop talking. And I guess this is where the story of the shepherds is is helpful to me because you see they went from disconnected sleepy bored sheep watchers to messengers on a mission from God all in one night because they heard a story of what God was doing they took a step of faith in response to that message Because of that step of faith, they they had some kind of experience with God on their own. And it became the most natural thing in the world for them to share it. And yeah, it'd be super cool if the message that started all off for us came from like a legion of angels. And maybe at some point it will. Maybe for some of you it already has. But mostly it will come from shepherds. Regular old people on their own journey with God that have experienced something that they're sharing that will help us move along the road so that we can then help move others. And so this morning, as we end this series, we wanted to end by giving us all an opportunity to be angels to one another.
be messengers of what God is doing for each other. Throughout the course of the series, uh, and really even the weeks leading up to it, we've been talking about taking adventures and mission for God and different experiences that we could try, different exercises that we could engage with, along with the fact that I know a bunch of you guys just have been doing this on your own without anybody telling you how to do it. And so we've left, left the, the last 15 minutes here or so of the service uh, for story time. A chance for us to be messengers, angels to one another of what God is up to. And so there's a couple of mics here. And uh, so be ready. I'm going to pray, just blessing on this time. And even while I'm praying, it's okay for you to get up and line up behind one of the microphones. We have a timer, a one and a half minute timer to remind you to leave space for others to share. Uh, but I really want to hear what you say. That's very, uh, wait, hey, don't put the timer on me. Uh, we, we, are, we want to hear what you see God doing in and through and around you. And so just come on up and fire away. Would you pray with me? So, God, we thank you for the fact that you are always at work and that you are willing to use us. And so we lift these stories up uh, for your glory and an opportunity to just help us believe and help us to take steps in following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Clayton, yeah. Good morning. I'm Clayton, and I get the chance to... uh mow the lawns up by our garden. Most of you may not know, we have a community garden. And there's about 80 people up there. And I heard about this couple that lives an hour and a half away from us that did a prayer box at their house. And I thought, what an interesting idea. So I was driving home from Lowe's, and I, I said, God, do you, do you really want me to go buy a mailbox? And I, I kind of got this look like hand on the hip. He's not saying a word like, do I really have to answer that? So I made a U-turn, went back to Lowe's and bought a mailbox. So I get up there in the garden. There's two ladies there. And uh, uh, I'm telling them about this prayer box. And I got deer in the headlights. Oh, this crazy Christian guy is going to be preachy. And so I looked at one lady and I said, wait a minute. You're looking to move and find an inexpensive place to live. She said, yeah. I said, don't you think prayer would help? Yeah, that'd be great. So I looked at the other lady. She's still staring at me. I said, you've got to know somebody that's got cancer. And she, there's this long hesitation. She says, I do. Give me the mailbox, and I'll put it together for you. Mm. So I handed her this metal mailbox, and she not only put it together, put it in the ground and painted it. There's a scripture on the front. There's a scripture on the back. Giant prayer box written on both sides. So we get requests like, See, my mom passed away, and we're all sad. Can you pray? Or, I'm having surgery next week, and I would really appreciate some prayer for that. Or, the lady who wrote, my daughter's going into rehab for the fourth time, and we're all sad. And I can't imagine, if I had said to God, gee, I'm a little busy today, um, I can't go get a mailbox. Besides, they're expensive and just drove home, all of this stuff would have never happened. And I'm really glad I went and got the mailbox. Thank Amen. you. Amen. Thanks for sharing. 
So you don't have to wait for ready to finish. Somebody else could be coming up to this mic while he's talking, and we would save time. Go ahead. Uh, I got got something that this is back when we just started the coffee bar here. Uh, Tracy and I were putting it together. We were working with the college people at that time. So this goes way back, but it through this series has made me think about it. So one kid in particular used to come over to our house. We'd be gone. We come home. There's a kid floating in our pool. You know, so. Just being with this guy, his name's Ryan McCleary. He's been Oak Hills for, you know, way back when. So it's over 20 years because he's about to retire from the military. But with not realizing that I've touched this kid, I get, you know, I send out emails or, or text messages to all the youth that I've dealt with, you know, at least once every three months. And this kid, I've done it for years. He sends me this text, and this just made me feel pretty good. You know, he says, Merry Christmas to you and yours. He says, I'm in blessed. I have, I have been blessed in so many ways, and you are one of them. Thanks, Dad. Oh, wow. So, you know, we touch people, and you don't even know it. Sure. How you do it. So, yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Randy. Appreciate it. Thanks for sharing. Somebody else. Thank you. I'm Debbie, and... Uh, I just want to say that Dora has been a powerful influence for me. In 2018, I began with the law enforcement chaplaincy of Sacramento as a chaplain, a trauma chaplain. And every time I was deployed out in the field, I would text Dora. And I would say, Dora, heading to a suicide, heading to a homicide, a dead body, whatever it was, please pray. And she would. And it was such a blessing to me. And I just want to thank her for that. Because God was always up to something through Dora. Very cool. Thanks. Uh, Good morning. Uh, Quick story on uh, gratitude and generosity. Um, And this isn't about me. So Mel and I went out to dinner one night. And so if you guys know... A Mongolian barbecue, it's kind of a buffet style, and you have to stand in line to make your food. So as we're standing in line, I started chatting to this young man behind me, and, you know, he was a, a little slow in speech, you know, but a nice kid, and I startled him by talking to him, and, but then we started the conversation. You're only there for about five or ten minutes, you know, and so we're talking about the food he's eaten and everything else, and then I noticed the shirt that represents his job, which, you know, told me that he has a minimum wage job as well. So we were talking, nothing trying to get anything out of this, just, just a great conversation with this kid. Got to the end of the line, said our goodbyes, went and had our dinner. So Mel and I are sitting there finishing up our dinner, and this kid comes up and walks up to us and said, just to let you know, thank you so much for how sweet you were to me, the, gener- the, the gratitude. And he goes, and by the way, I bought your guys' dinner. So there's the generosity. So this gets back to the angels among us that... You know, first Mel and I beat ourselves up. Why didn't we invite him to sit with us and going through that? And then it's like, all right, stop. You know, this is a good thing we did, and it blessed him and us as well. So just the angels among us, and we just uh, wanted to share that. Thank you. Very cool. Thanks, Ben. (laughs) 
So um, for those of you who don't know, a couple weeks ago I got engaged to this super handsome guy back here. And, yeah. Uh, which isn't really the story, but um, uh, it's opened a lot of doors because the natural question I get from everybody is, where did you meet? And we met here, and through a series of circumstances of having church outside and him riding his bike to church and just the way God's orchestrated everything. And um, this last week, my assistant came in, and she said, so tell me again about where you met Dave. And I was telling her, and I had a li- I called her in because I had a stack of things for her to do. Um, but those quickly got pushed aside when she started to tell me about her troubled past with church. And just had not been a good experience. And we talked for nearly two hours um, just about God and his love and not being tainted by by those experiences. And she's contemplating coming to church uh, Christmas Eve with her daughter. So if you could pray that that happens, it would be great. But, um, yeah, like it said, you just don't know when those opportunities will come. So thank you. Very cool. And congratulations. Dave's me mugging me, so I guess it's my turn. Um, I'm Rachel. I did uh, about six weeks ago now, yes, possibly. Um, I did the challenge with everybody or proposed a challenge with Mike, and um, life got in the way a lot this season, but I did as many of the exercises that I could, and Um, just last week I was on a walk with my kids and our big dog, Arlo. Um, and on the dirt side of our street, I got to meet a new neighbor that isn't new, but new to me. Um, and he was, you know, intrigued by my son got a Batman go-kart for his birthday. Um, and he, he didn't even know who I was. Who are you? Where do you live? And so we had a sweet seemingly nothing conversation, you know, about the holiday. And um, my dog is one of those dogs that, like, leans up against you if you give him the time of day, you know, his whole body, 80 pounds. Um, And so he just walked on over to him and leaned up against him. And this man, like, melted into my dog just long enough to, like, be too long. Like, you just notice something's weird, you know? And so I was like, well, I'm glad that you got some love today. And he was like, yeah, I think, I think I'll see you again. And so the next walk we did, he met us outside Mm. to chat for a few minutes. So it's just cool. Very cool. Thanks for sharing. Well, thanks for uh, sharing your, your stories. And, and again, we just know that this stuff is happening all the time. And, and if we don't take the time to share with one another, uh, we'll, we'll miss out on what God is doing. And we might actually fall into the cynicism that God isn't at work, which would be completely theologically incorrect. 